Welcome to the Learning Reinvented podcast brought to you by myself, James Politilo, and the team at The Learning Effect. There are lots of learning podcasts out there, so we wanted to do something slightly different. This week, we'll be looking at employee engagement and how it can link to learning. I'm delighted to welcome Nick Court to the podcast. Nick, thank you for joining us. Do you want to introduce yourselves to the listeners and tell them a little bit about yourself? Hi. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast, James. I'm Nick Court. So I'm the CEO of a company called the People Experience Hub. Um, we measure employee feedback and help companies improve employee experience, people experience. My background, having worked for companies like Tesco, Associated British Foods and Carlsberg, um, I left those organisations to set up uh, my own business. And since then, I've worked with uh, some great companies helping them improve insights, data, and overall that people experience. Um, and I guess my passion is is really around that insights, not information piece. Yeah, and I think you know, I wanted to talk to you because I think there's some real links between learning and engagement, both in terms of working together, but also in terms of how they sit within organisations and sometimes are used or misused. And if I look back at the similarities between the two and I look back sort of four or five years ago and often for organisations learning looked like some annual refresher training with a few other programmes for special people uh, through the year or for key functions. And, you know, my outside view on engagement sometimes was it was an annual engagement survey followed up with a few actions taken throughout the year and then, oh, it's another year through and let's do an annual engagement survey. So, you know, what's your view on that and where we've come from and where we're going with engagement? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, it's, it is interesting. So you're absolutely right. We had a um, almost an institution created around the annual survey and we had large organisations that made it their business to come in, ask those you know, 120, 140 questions. It would take you nearly an hour to get through them. Then they would create this, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages of PowerPoint information, a chart per page that the leaders in an organization would get and try and work out what I do with this. And the default was, well, I can't do much with 120 pages of data. I'll choose three that either, either stick out as in, you know, confirmation bias, they, they play to what I thought already and that's what I was going to tackle anyway. So it just gives me a little, a little bit of ammo um, or they get lost in that analysis paralysis. And um, yeah, it created this monster and people rightly started to challenge it and move away. Uh, but what, what then happened was my, my cynicism, apologies um, to everyone who's in this place, my cynicism kicks in. What happened was uh, tech providers decided they could solve this problem with technology so we can make a, a seamless, always on, continual pulse information. We could ask people questions outside of that annual review, questions when it mattered most, that kind of view, which makes sense. It's like you listen to it and you go, that makes sense to me. That's um, that, that, that sounds reasonable. Um, and of course, it was tech companies that delivered that because it was a tech uh, solution that we needed, not a people solution. Um, but the downside of that has been, you know, we're, we're now coming out of that because people have now said, well, actually, what I have is I have so much information. It is 
absolutely easy to deploy a monthly pulse survey or a, a continual always on solution. But people are now saying the value is low because I have no baseline of information. I don't really know what's going on month to month. Um, if you think about noise, that's what it's created. It's created so much noise that that 120 page report that we used to get, dust, you know, gathering dust in a drawer somewhere, has now just become 120 pages of information every single month that nobody can really do anything with. So lots and lots and lots of information has actually now gone monthly, not annually, and people are now struggling to do that. So I personally think we're coming out of that now and we're going to a, a different model, um, a hybrid model to use the pandemic popular phrase um, where people are going to start using some different solutions throughout the, uh, the employee life cycle or even just the year. I think it's really interesting you talk about the fact that tech sometimes drives that rather than the people or the business because just because the tech provider can do it and like you said it sounds like an amazing idea and you're there you're thinking we can you know we can check this see how our people feel about this straight away we can act we can be agile we can, you know I've, I've been in those sales pitches i've seen it happen and, and you, you're thinking and saying yeah that sounds really great and then when it comes into practice the reality of what that delivers is sometimes less than than you're intending and and i think just because tech can solve the problem it isn't shouldn't always be applied and it, I, I can see the similarities in learning where we've got learning in the flow of work you know you can learn all the time you can have access to any of these libraries but it just creates a bit of a free-for-all and undirected or with people not being focused on why am I learning this? What's the benefit? What am I going to do with this information? How am I going to progress? How's the organisation going to truly understand who should be doing what and help guide people to that? I think the tech enables, but sometimes our strategies haven't caught up or our way of thinking hasn't caught up. And you know, you talked about a hybrid model there. So it'd be interesting to, to think about what that hybrid model for engagement might look like. I mean, it, it is interesting, isn't it? And I mean, just just on just one of the things that you were just talking about there, in terms of you know, just because tech can do it, I think one of the, one of the things that we've seen has been the expectation that you can take out the specialist role and replace that with technology. You know, and whilst that sounds brilliant, and in some instances you can absolutely do that, it, it also is putting extra pressure into the wrong place. Every line manager is not a learning expert. Every line manager is not an insights expert. Every line manager is not a, um, an engagement or employee experience expert. They're, in, they're, they're probably an expert in what they do, and that's probably a generalist role. And what we're saying is, actually, if you push it to the employee, push it to the line manager, in, in isolation of any support, then effectively what you're doing is you are reducing the value of any anyone who has insights into this and thoughts into developing this as a strategic approach for an organization. And effectively what you do is you make it a SaaS solution, which plays margins, you know, I mean, again, sorry, cynical approach here. My cynical view is a tech company's desire is to exit, that the tech company's desire is to be sold in five years time so they will keep their margins high keep their people low and they will deploy fast and quick solutions to businesses so marketing is everything 
tech that works is everything. The results is is probably not so important to them as their as their profits because in five years time they'll exit and if a new company comes along because that company hasn't solved it so be it sorry very cynical little uh, monologue there I, I, I can see that because you know you talked about capability of people around the systems there you've talked about the motivation of those people putting systems in and you know thinking we we talk about this regularly as well in terms of learning tech that what's that learning tech do to that there to do is it there to solve a business problem or is it there to solve another problem that learning has created is it there to do something quite superficial so you know the fact that something might look great and people might engage with it is it's a bit like going for a meal and thinking you have a meal and it tastes great but 20 minutes later you're hungry and it hasn't sustained you but it's it's given you a bit of a hit it's like a a one hit wonder it's quite superficial and some of those more impactful longer term things take a bit more effort and they're not quite so easy so you know sometimes people will pick a learning system because it's really easy to get working for people or it's really easy to run and you then look at it and go yeah but what do you do with it what change is that making to your business you know and you talked about the the capabilities of line managers but also what's the capabilities of those HR engagement or learning professionals because previously they might have been doing a lot of admin but they've now got a system that takes that away and they should be doing more insight work more planning work different levels of roles but we don't often help those people change their mindset skill set give them the capability the room the tools or change the expectations so I think there's a whole load of stuff you know around there that just in a in that little monologue nick we could probably talk for hours around some of those issues i mean i i, I guess yeah i mean i guess go answering your original question which is um what does a hybrid model look like and playing back into some of the stuff you've just said so what do i think a hybrid model looks like i think that number one i think employee feedback is important i think that however anyone delivers that employee feedback you know whether that be through focus groups um you know, actively going out and talking to people, using some kind of technology to um, enable that. I do, I do think that's important. I genuinely think it's, it is important to be able to understand context and understand how people feel about the the workplace that you've designed. But I also think it's it's got to be broader than that. So my view would be something along the lines of the annual survey isn't dead. The annual survey is a very important um, baseline operation so being able to go out and ask all of your employees a similar set of questions and be able to come back and say these are the areas that are giving us um, concern but then being able to drill down into that data and say the problem in the finance team is different to the problem in the logistics team so ultimately what do we want to do we want to solve a problem so exactly what you were just saying which is you know, the purpose of this is to solve problems, to make life better for the people working in an organization, to make life better for the customers and stakeholders downstream from that organization, and ultimately to help companies drive profit, to have good performance, and have employees that are satisfied in, in what they do and motivated. And I think that actually what we've done is, you know, when somebody uses a pulse survey once a month, probably isn't going to get that information. But using a pulse survey in a targeted approach where you can say, I can see the problem in the finance team is this. 
these are the areas we're going to tackle and use pulse surveys just for finance to measure that change to see if you're in the direction of travel is the right one are we making positive change for our people are we seeing that impact coming through from the actions we're taking i think as well um, throughout the life cycle we do a lot of life cycle surveys so whether that be the candidate experience so even people that haven't joined the organization you know what 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 are their experiences of that process new joiners you're three months in has expectation uh, met reality uh, did they come together in the way you expected understanding why people stay in an organization and then why do people leave an organization and then kind of going that that's that pre-start start middle end life cycle can actually pull through some really interesting information we're also seeing clients running pulse surveys around uh, what's important to them as an organization and they set a cadence that says you know they, we'll always ask some questions maybe quarterly because we can act on a quarterly bit of information you know we've got 12 weeks now before the next one we can act on that 12 weeks but each quarter we're going to explore a different theme from our annual survey so you know we've got a client that has explored um, equality diversity inclusion that they've explored learning growth development and opportunity they've explored leadership and being able to actually introduce other areas they can now say well actually we're going to explore this further just with one section of the of the organization so i think there's a more hybrid model that needs to come in here but the, the key thing here is that there's a lot of information coming in here so tech has to be able to like make viewing data easy but I genuinely think that you need to have some people in that mix. So you need to either have some people in house or you need to be partnering with an organization that has people. Our view is we are insights experts. We are employee experience and feedback experts. So, and we've got the technology that can deliver that. So we're saying that's a nice rounded view. So a hybrid organization like us that has tech and people working in with an organization delivering employee feedback in a hybrid way focus groups tech you know big big surveys and smaller focus surveys as well that that's kind of the view that i think we're going to move into and what about on an organizational point of view how are how are people viewing how engagement data should be used or positioned you know from those days of okay we just want to look good we just want this data to tell us a good story so we can use it as a benchmark through to you know this this view that you talked about of the always on survey so we can keep on top of our agilely changing organization you know wh where should this be positioned and and manage to to allow that engagement team or hr team to to bring their stakeholders on that journey um, I mean, I guess there's a few things. So, so again, the old view was you focus on a number. So let's, let's take an aggregated engagement score and let's focus on that. Um, it drives bad behaviours. Um, Rob in our team, um, who's our director of people science, has just written a, a blog and created an infographic called, um, you know, if you focus, if you're focusing on the number, then you're going to create some bad behaviours. And his, his point is that the number isn't the goal. Yeah, the number is just the outcome so i think more and more people are now looking to run surveys and understand how outcomes and outputs influence scores and understand 
you know, when we're looking at scoring, we're looking at something along the lines of um, having that data that's relevant to the decisions you need to make as an organization to inform people's strategy, to inform well-being and, and, and learning and development. So what are the needs of individuals? We're seeing a lot more personalization coming through. So I think one of the things the pandemic has done is to um, drive personalization. Individuals need different things at different points in their life. You know, during the pandemic, they certainly need different elements. Growth, learning, development has been a, a key area. How do you distribute that? So I do think it is giving people the information. What tech can do is give people that information in the easiest, simplest way that they can understand. And what the people can do is drive the insights from that information. Um, so I do think it's a far more strategic role in in-house organisations now which is we're, we're going to take a strategy view of this data and we're going to do something with it. Taking action is everything. And I think that taking action, you know, I've been in organisations where the annual survey runs round and you think, you know, nothing ever happens, nothing, there's no output from this. Or you've got, you know, managers who are in that mindset of, you know, it's just another of those things pushed out by a central team. So, you know, as well as getting that senior stakeholder, is, is how do you get the rest of the organisation engaged? How do you get line managers? How do you get the, you know, the employees and position this? Particularly if you're doing something, you know, along the hybrid model, you know, so you're moving from whether you're, you know, bought a fashionable always on survey system where nothing ever happened or you're in that annual cycle. How do you go about thinking about engaging those stakeholders and creating that, what's in it for them and moving them from that slightly cynical and I'm sure we can both put ourselves in the cynical camp to understand why they're there to towards actually this is something that's going to be useful for me my organization so I think I think there's probably two two key areas there so number one is great communication and number two is taking action so and and taking action shouldn't be a um a cascaded action that you know this is what you need to do managers this is this is where introducing tech you know taking away administration from internal teams to free up time this is where you can now excel at this and support managers in taking action so helping managers understand how to deliver that and then to deliver that is vital if, if you're going to run a survey and not do anything with it then the next time you run a server, you should expect to have lower results or you should have expect to have lower take up of that because it's the law of diminished returns. However, if you take action, we see it a lot with clients where they work hard with their managers to communicate the results, to talk to them about why is it important to put it into human terms. So take the jargon out, take the blarney out and just make it something that people can really understand. If you did this one thing with your team, it would make a difference. These are some changes we want at an organisational level. However, some of you are already doing that because that's again some of that frustration is, well, I'm, I am already doing this. So why am I receiving that comms? So make it personal and it, it doesn't mean you've got to work a little bit harder. But again, choose a partner that's going to work with you. You know, choose a provider that's going to help you deliver that, that's going to hold webinars for your managers, that's going to provide training and support for people, you know, work with your comms team to deliver that. I think it's 
it's everything. And when you've done something, you know, I'm, the, the you said we did model of engagement gets, I don't know, gets, gets some bad press on occasion. But I think it's because it's associated to that old model of we run a survey, we did this, you said this, we did this. But actually, you do need to say this to people. You you said this and we did this. And somebody who didn't take part in the survey and maybe doesn't agree with that position says, well, why don't I don't agree that you should have done that? Well, then then take part and that's where your voice can come in and be a part of what we're going to do. Um, I also think it's important to remember that there are there's external factors to this. So there's a lot of noise in trade press, in social media around what is important. So the other real important thing around um, something like employee feedback or running surveys or any kind of employee insight data, whether it comes from a comms platform, a learning platform, from attendance platforms, whatever that is, is it's providing you evidence data for your organisation. So if the if the, the shiny thing in the world is um, belonging or well-being and everyone's focused on that, you need to know as an organisation and you need your managers to know, is that something that we need to work on? Is that something we don't need to work on or something we need to just sustain because we're already doing a great job at that? Because the risk is you hear the news that, you know, well-being is a major issue, but it might not be in your organisation. I think, you know, it's a really key point around you've got the external factors and so often it can almost feel, you know, I've been in HR teams where it feels like you're just asked to chase the ball around the playground because, you know, someone, something's come in, this is in the press and this is the latest initiative and you're not really in control, you're just running to the next fad, the next focus, the next external crisis or the next bit of legislation. So being able to step back and and have that confidence of, of the data helping you to navigate some of those distractions that are coming along or thinking about how you can bring your people more into surveys because you know how, how do people shape what you're asking and what you're looking at and how do you sort of evolve and make, make people feel that they own that a little bit more rather than this thing being done to them every so often. Yeah and, and, and driving driving context because context is everything in any part of an organization context is everything and you know it's, it is interesting looking at our insights and you know when we looked at what are high performing areas of um, employee experience in the surveys we, we'd run and what were the lower performing areas so what was driving poor employee experience actually well-being is quite high so well, well-being was scoring quite high. People were saying, actually, I, I am able to prioritise my well-being and deliver my job. Um, you know, there are areas we need to improve. I, I feel that like my workload is too high. I, 30% um, of people said, I do feel exhausted at the end of my day. So there's areas that need to be improved. And I think if anyone said that employee well-being wasn't important, they're, they're an arse. It's, it's got to be important. It's, you know, well-being for anyone in a community, whether that's an organisation or society, has to be important and has to be a priority. But is it the problem you've got? Whereas actually, if we look at our data, growth, so looking at aspects of learning, development, opportunity, you know, badged under a big area of growth, growth is an area that absolutely 
is an impact on the employee experience. The overall experience that people have at work is a it's a it's a massive area that people need to work from. But we don't hear that as a fad soundbite popular thing in the press because well-being you can deploy fairly simple. You can deploy well-being benefits, you can deploy well-being tech, you can introduce no end of apps to your organization very low cost very quick and that's where tech has been amazing in delivering this there's some stuff around financial education financial services that may require people but growth recognition trust that are the lower scoring areas you won't find a app that solves trust and you won't find tech that delivers learning opportunity and growth on its own these are all areas that require people so being able to understand that as an organization and being able to say what's important to our people is better opportunities to grow to learn to develop whether that's in internal skills or external skills so the world keeps moving externally so we should support people in staying and thriving in that world having that data is vital and getting that data from your people and micro microscopic part of a macroscopic society or group of companies or whatever is is that is actually vital to any strategy that you're going to set i think and you know you you come back to learning there which is obviously where our focus is on trying to get organizations to think about how they create that opportunity that purpose for people's development that progression you know keeping people internally but also you know people do want to move they want to progress but keeping that reality of, of what you can offer people the experience the development and and there's lots of things spoken about those things now maybe asking a bit of an odd question but you obviously have access to lots of data people have around learning so we hear all of this rhetoric in the learning space about you know what the greatest thought leaders think you should be doing and you know my cynical side said there also then three weeks later partner with a tech provider who happens to miraculously solve that problem but you know looking from your perspective what are you seeing as as some of those things people are you know feeding back on in learning are the trends in learning in development you know what's what's that slightly impartial view on this so i guess if, yeah so if i look at the data um i've got it in front of me so it was such a great conversation with Nick that we split this podcast episode into two. So join us for the second part if you want to hear Nick answer the question and give us a bit more insight into what the data is telling us about what people really think about learning in our organisations. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Learning Reinvented podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. You can register to join the Learning Effect community. The link to do so is in the show notes below. If you've not already done so, please follow our podcast. And if the learning effect can help you and your organisation, please do get in touch. You can find both James and Katie on LinkedIn and our contact details are in the show notes below.